Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, today we're speaking with Lexi Luton, the founder of Centered, a startup that provides mental health tools for their subscribers. As a bonus, the Centered team has actually partnered with our Invoice to Go Facebook group for freelancers. It's called the Freelance Forum. And together, we'll provide these mental health learning units that were made especially for freelancers and entrepreneurs. The first of these learning units is actually coming out this very week. So if you're listening to this podcast, go on over to Facebook, open your app, and search for the Freelance Forum to enjoy it for free. Yes, and in this episode, Lexi will discuss everything from leaving tech startup AngelList to taking a sabbatical, to discovering the coaching tools she needed to improve her own mental health, to launching a subscription-based startup which provided these tools for others. We are incredibly excited to share Lexi's journey with you today. And if you like this episode and want to hear more stories like this about badass entrepreneurial women from all over the world, head on over and give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps our reach. Thanks for your support, ladies. We are so grateful for you. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Lexi. How are you today? Hi. It's so great to be here. Uh, Where are you calling in from? I am in San Francisco, uh, where I live with my dogs and my boyfriend. Beautiful. (laughs) Do you live in San Francisco proper or somewhere else in the Bay Area? Yeah, we're in Soma. I lived in New York for a long time, and then I just moved here like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And was uh, did you grow up in San Francisco, or is this a new city? No, I grew up in the Boston area, Mm -hmm. and then was in New York for almost ten years, and. Then decide to come to San Francisco on a whim. That so. is a long time to stay in New York. Yeah. <laughs> I think like the average stay in New York for a non-native New Yorker is like 18 months or something. Like really? That. Yeah. People oh, move there and then they're like, okay, and I'm done. Is that the sunscreen song? Yeah. Stay just long yeah. enough before you get too hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Oh, yeah. What and, were you doing in New York? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I went to school there. So I went to NYU. Um, I went to this school called Gallatin, which is the individualized study school of NYU, um, where you make up your own major and you (laughs) um, attract some very creative, nutty person. Nice. Gallatin. Um, Yeah, but I studied technological disruptions. That's the major I made up for myself. And it meant I did some computer science stuff, but business and communication theory. And my whole thesis was on um, basically that technology comes in, new tools come into the world and then change how future creators can build so that Mm -hmm. creators can use the tools built by others to build on top of themselves and build more, which I feel is very relevant to what I'm doing now. Interesting. So you spent 10 years there. Did you stay, like, were you in school for 10 years or what did you do after that? No, no, definitely not. (laughs) Um, So I went to NYU, you know, was at NYU, 
students at NYU do a ton of internships and stuff. So yes. I was interning almost every semester um, since I was a freshman, my first semester. And so I worked at a fashion magazine. I was blogging a lot and then um, for like startups and, and websites. And then I learned that I could be part of a startup team if I like helped write for their website. Yes. And so I ended up working at Techstars, which was like a relatively new incubator uh, in in 2011 that had just come to New York. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was the youngest person to ever work there at at that time. And I, uh, met like tons of startups. I helped in all these different ways, building all sorts of things really early and then kind of got the bug and have been doing it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of jumped into that through content, really, it sounds like content creation. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, okay, so you got the bug. What does that mean? You decided you wanted to do, like, have your own startup? What did you, what does the bug mean? You know, having your own startup is this whole other beast that really, like, you know, <laughs> you can be excited about startups and not have your own startup and still, like, learn a time and have a good time. <laughs> and so I think I knew I wanted a company, but really I just, like, wanted to help make things happen that... Yeah like didn't exist. Yeah. And that was really like the exciting part for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I work at a startup, right? As well, I work at a tech company. Scale up. Sure. A scale up. Is yeah. it a scale up? I mean, we've <laughs> yeah. been around a long time, but like we've that. just evolved yeah. so much. But um we, you know, I feel like a, a massive sense of ownership because when you work in a tech company like this, it's you've you do a lot of things and you are constantly, I find, breaking new ground. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of ways to get that. So you really have to make sure you want to be an entrepreneur if you launch your own startup. Like it's got to be a passion of yours. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It just tests you every single way. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Times a day. Of course. Yeah. So, okay. So did you start? So you now have um, the Centered app, which you've launched. Um, mm-hmm. Did you start that before moving to San Francisco or the Bay Area or whatever? Or did you, like, how did that oh, yeah. all come okay. about? So I'll step back a little bit. Okay. So I, um, I, after college, I got this job at this other startup studio called Betaworks. Mm-hmm. We built tons of new products from scratch. And I just had this, like, awesome generalist job where I built a ton of different things with a ton of different people. Uh, mm-hmm. We built Giphy which you guys might have used. Whoa, um, yeah, search engine cool. for gifts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that got started there. Uh, built, like, game that got kind of big. Like, there was a bunch of different stuff we built, but I got to, like, totally immerse myself in this startup thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really excited about hiring and how hard it was for all these different products, like finding really good engineers who could actually take these ideas and, like, mm-hmm. make them into things. And so I um, – ended up working as a, I joined this hiring platform that I used that was really early stage. It was called developer auction, which mm-hmm. became hired. And, um, we basically had like a bidding marketplace for engineers wow. where companies could bid on them and, um, basically compete to hire them. And I thought that was like really cool and disruptive. Yeah. So I launched their New York office and then I spent the second year opening other offices. So I went to Washington, D.C. I went to Austin. I went to Atlanta. And I was going to go do Paris and Berlin. Wow. But AngelList, um, which was sort of a competitor, they had the biggest job site for startups at the time. Yeah. They were like, come over. You have all this great experience. Come be the first 
business pl- business play on our talent platform. We have this mm-hmm. huge job site. We're not making any money on it. Like, what can we do? You're good to be in charge. And I was 24 years old, and I was like, this is my dream <laughs> job. Like, all yeah. I have to do now is, like, take this company public, and, like, I've done everything I desired in my career, and I'm 24. Um, <laughs> so I, I got a really good, you know, like, I got some really good startup jobs. Um, and so I – Obviously, like, you know, once you're in charge, I don't know if this happened to you ladies, but first time I was really in charge of a lot, yeah. I messed up all sorts of stuff, right? Like, I did a lot of things right. Sorry? You were head of operations at AngelList. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. That's a huge yes. role. Yeah. Yeah. And and that didn't even just mean, like, internal operations. That meant, like, we built, you know, built the sales team, built marketing, the hired the leaders for it, like everything mm-hmm. revenue focused. Yeah. I was the kind of foundational person for that. And then Whoa. found people who are better than me to take over. Yeah. Um, but I loved diving into new problems they hadn't solved before. Um, I loved figuring out like new departments or new functions and what kind of the core tests we could actually do to build them out. And so I had this great job that was really like training me up to be a founder, right. um, but also let me lead pretty big teams. Um, we got the business um, to 50 people. We were profitable. We got it to around 20 million a year in revenue. So um, built a lot of good stuff there. Um, but they actually gave me a sabbatical. <laughs> and that's yeah. when I moved to San Francisco. So they were like, you're burning out. You haven't taken a vacation in like three years. And I was like, no, no, I have to keep going. I have to keep going. And they were like, we have a sabbatical <laughs> program. Like, just take it. And then I took it and I had this like relief I've never had in my entire life. And um, I started just noodling on ideas and thinking about what interests me. And, um, you know, I can get more into this in a bit, but I had been really interested in mental health. I'd had kind of my own anxiety and depression battle for the past, you know, seven or eight years. And I was like, there's got to be something better here that's more accessible to people to help them feel better. And so I started just like really researching and running tests that became centered. Do you think that was because you were such a like go-getting, go-go-go person that... um, Do you think you gave yourself anxiety? Is that what you're asking? Or do you think it was genetic? More like... Because you were just, like, so on and, like, you like you said, you didn't have a vacation in three years. Was – do you think that that was, like, part of the culture? Yeah. That's a really hard question, right? Because um, I think that entrepreneurial hard jobs definitely put a lot of pressure on you and make you see, you know, your own failures very clearly, which I think are things mm-hmm. that test you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was my – job I think it was that this is kind of a deep answer not to like to my own horn but um when like stuff gets really hard I I think like a lot of us just had a lot of like fear and self-doubt and yeah I think that that job definitely brought up a lot of it um but also personal stuff brought up a lot of it I just think I you know I like I, I push myself hard into doing hard things yeah you know, but that means I've had to face myself um and that means, like, you – it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Have you ever taken the uh, test to figure out how the ways that you self-sabotage? No. What is that? <laughs> there is this test. Okay, I'm saying it because I just took it recently. And oh, the thing that it maybe. made – Yeah. The thing that it made me realize about myself, which it sounds like you were dealing with a lot too, is, like, this – some people have this innate thing where – at in at least one area of their life, they have to be exemplary. 
and above Mm. and beyond what the normal person is. And if they don't achieve that, like above and beyond, like for me, it's always been my work. Like, you know, a normal person, a normal like brand marketing leader would be like, oh, if we double our impressions and engagement Mm. and our team, like we're doing well, like year over year. But I'm like, no, we're going to, we're going to quadruple, like, what do we have to, you know? And it's just, it's like this thing where you hold yourself to a different standard than you hold other people to. (laughs) And it's, you self-sabotage. You cannot just be okay with being good. You have to be insanely good to be happy with yourself. And it sounds a lot like kind of how you're, you're, you're performing. I've, I've written this before, but I felt like we were failing the entire time I worked at Angelus. The yeah. entire time. Except yeah. for like one or two win things we had. Yeah. But we built a $20 million business. Like, that's crazy talk, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so um, I actually loved when I left and I looked back and I just started telling the story of like, we built this. Yeah. Not like those in-between little moments where I just felt like, yeah, never enough, never enough. Yeah. How did you deal yeah. with that yeah. with your teams, right? Because if you're really hard on yourself, and this is something, and I'm asking this because I do deal with this every day, I'm really hard on myself, but I have to be very um, cognizant of how I treat my team. So if they drop the ball on something or something like that, you know, you have to manage your response to those kinds of things so that yeah, people know totally. that it's okay to make mistakes. Um, and it can be hard if you're like the, that kind of perfectionist driver personality, right? Yeah, I, I think I did. I think I don't think I did the best job with that. I think that I have been a forgiving person where like, you know, stuff happens, we move on, right? That's mm-hmm. something I've probably taken from personal development as a manager is like, you know, we're gonna, what, what do we learn? How can we like help you? Yeah move forward and you know, yeah. learn and, and grow. But yeah, I think my issue was more that I always, you know, felt like we were failing. And so I felt like no matter what we did, it wasn't enough. And yeah. that was probably the thing where I could have been better as a manager because celebrating wins is massive, right? Yeah. Like creating opportunities where people feel like they won is like what keeps going. Yeah, so yeah. I think I definitely want to get better at that this time. I think yes. it's very important whether you have a business, you're a startup, you're a team leader in a big company to regularly take a step back and look at what you've achieved and celebrate little wins, even if it's like win of the week and like what was something positive <laughs> that happened, just to like remind yourself that you are moving forward and, and doing great things. Um, I found that's really that's helped nice. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. So, okay, so you took this step back from Angelus. You took this sabbatical. You've moved. You've you've changed your life a bit. Um, <laughs> you've recognized that you have an issue with anxiety and depression that you need help with. What happens next? Yeah, and so I, I want to mention something here because I did not realize that I had anxiety and depression. Okay. Even in the worst of it. So it really started probably when I was like 20, 21. Um, and Mm. then I had like a really bad dip when I was like in my early twenties, like really, really bad. I was like so, so depressed, like in the worst place of my life. But if you had told me like, Lexi, you are dealing with really bad anxiety and depression. Like that is what's going on with you. And like, this happens to one, eight people in the United States. Mm. Like 
that probably, I don't know. We didn't have that. We knew something was off. Like when I say we, like I talked to my mom a lot. I'm really close with her. So like we knew something was going wrong, but like we didn't mm. just look at it like, okay, you're struggling with something like really common. There's ways to deal with this. Like I think it was a lot scarier mm-hmm. um, for me at that time. And still one of the biggest things that, you know, slows me down in terms of getting through anxiety or feeling better is that I'm scared. Yeah. Um, so I'm so scared that I, f- something's wrong with me yeah. or that I'm not, I can't be a good founder if I am dealing with this um, or just like, you know, my partner's going to leave me or like my team's mm-hmm. going to be let down. Like, you know, I, I build that double layer of fear on top, which is like, ugh, like you're terrible for feeling anxious. Yeah. <laughs> right. So usually for me, the only way to get better is to like cross check myself and like not believe that. Right. Um, and then from there, it's just about knowing, you know, techniques and knowing things that work for you in your toolkit, which mm. is what I'm building, but yeah. we all need a toolkit. So, yeah. um, you all need to know that there are things we can do to be okay. And there are, it turns out way more things than most of us know, um, that are actually like effective evidence-based exercises for being okay. And they yeah. do not include Xanax. Like, <laughs> you do not have yes. to, or any sort of drug. Like, you can you can heal yes. yourself to yes. some extent, uh, obviously, depending on how severe your case is. But a lot of people have right. tools that they can use. Right. And, you know, even if you're getting recommended medication by your doctor, which is, like, a great fit for many people, you know, I took antidepressants or mm-hmm. I still take them. They have a huge difference on my brain. But... Mm-hmm. Usually, you should be doing some sort of counseling or getting some sort of um, like help, learning about yeah. your brain and about what you can be doing um, yeah. to restructure negative thoughts and to calm yourself down when things feel really heightened. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, this is kind of the inspiration behind Centered. How did everything then kick off with that? Was is this something that you started yeah. to think about on your sabbatical? Yes. Well, so yes. So um, back to that time when I was like 23, 24, um, I I was in a really low place where like you could call it crisis um, Mm -hmm. where I I just, you know, sometimes we all have like ups and downs, right? We all have our our roller coaster, but I kept getting stuck in really low downs. And that thing about the fear, I didn't know how to get out. Right. I didn't, I didn't know how to get out and I kept falling back down Yeah, and I was just having a lot of stuff going on, like personal stuff, like relationships falling apart, mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah. um, I've kept falling down, didn't know how to get it back up. And my mom is a health coach and she was like, you need a toolkit. And I, of course, like many people was like, what's a toolkit? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but what she really meant was what I was saying before, which is there are like things you can learn, practices you can learn to be okay. And so she found me this therapeutic group, or it's a therapy group that meets weekly called a DBT group. Mm -hmm. And it's used for, it was initially used for like pretty serious stuff, but now it's getting like wider and wider and used really across the board. So tons of people will learn DBT exercises in there um, with their therapist or even on their own, which is something I'm aiming for. But DBT was really designed for, People who are like have suicidal thoughts don't know how to get out of that suicidal mindset, mm-hmm. and they are exercises that you do on a weekly basis. So you get a homework, 
and you like practice like a thought restructuring exercise. Mm -hmm. And then you practice it through the week and you come in, you talk about it and then you get a new one and you, it's like school. Hmm. So I did that every week for a year and I learned a ton of techniques and that was kind of like my starting point and, you know, trying to tackle my mental health and to have this toolkit of things that help me be okay and to feel like if I had a down or, you know, first of all, I wanted to decrease the level of, I wanted to feel less down less often. I wanted, but yeah, less down, comma, or less often. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know what to do when I felt bad. Right. right so right. spent a lot of time trying to learn different things. And then with Centered, I went really deep into it in my sabbatical. I bought like workbooks. I was like, how do mm-hmm. I know every tool in the world that I can use so I have the best shot of being okay? And I found that the experience as a user was like kind of unintuitive on the internet on how to learn tools. Yeah. Whereas meditation had gotten this like consumer facelift and like, you know, tons of people were building really beautiful, engaging things around meditation. And I was yeah. like, can I do the same thing for therapeutic exercises? Yeah. And so it was born. So... Let me ask you two things. So first of all, I just want to say that your your like exemplary personality of like going above and beyond is even even evidenced here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like okay, I want to be not just okay, as okay as I possibly can. So let's research every tool. Like you're we we have so much in common. Um but mm-hmm. then the other thing is um what are those tools that you found? Like did you like and of course you don't have to share anything that you're uncomfortable with sharing, but what did you find to deal with anxiety and depression and how did it change your life? Oh yeah. I mean, I could spend the whole podcast talking about this, but Um, I'll start with some basic ones that I learned at that time, and then I'll talk about one or two new centered ones that I've been using lately and really like. But, you know, my toolkit now has hundreds. Um, I've done every tool on centered. I've done tons of tools elsewhere. And so, you know, even if the ones I say here don't resonate with you, don't give up. There are probably others that, you know, might stick with you. And in my DBT group, which was, you know, 50 groups, right, so we met every week, um, there were really only a couple that really stuck with me to this day from that group. Um, sometimes I just forget or whatever it is, but a couple from that. Um, so one of them is really for just when I feel overwhelmed and I still do it all the time, which is like you go get in the shower and you switch the water from really hot to really cold huh. and then back again. <laughs> it's really awesome. hot. It's really cold. And the That's idea amazing. is like, yeah, it's like if your thoughts are totally overwhelming, just like change the environment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that that one, like you just keep going until you're like a little bit less, like it, it just like works. You just get like a little bit less overwhelmed. And, yeah. you know, it's stuff like that. Just like what can I do? To, you know, in DBT, it's really important that you don't just try to get better right away. Your goal is actually to just not make it worse. Yeah. yeah. So like how can I not feel worse what's the thing I can do to just stay the same or take like a little step up because if you try to get all the way better right away you're gonna fail and you're gonna be disappointed with yourself Mm. so it's like anything it's like losing weight it's like anything that has to do with your health you know you've got to it's got to be a gradual lifestyle change Mm. completely um yeah so so that's the dbt one I use it all the time um all these things for overwhelmed. We have a lot of good ones on centered around being overwhelmed, which are just like 
this little thing you can do to just feel a little bit less overwhelmed. And those are often the most important ones to learn because it's hard to really like challenge your thoughts or like do anything to get better if you're like stuck in an overwhelmed feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Do you have a question? Do you have any requests on specific ones? (laughs) Um, okay. Let's see. Overwhelm. Well, that one resonates with me. Are there any that resonate with you? There's like, I think depression is something that a lot of people are dealing with. And like Mm. you said, like sometimes don't know if that is what they're feeling. Do you have anything that you can offer with, with that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just pulling it up really quickly so that I can read it. Depression is a challenging one. And I've been requesting more for this because Mm -hmm. anxiety, there's a lot of like breathing stuff. There's a lot of visualizations. There's like, we have a ton for anxiety, but depression, like it's just kind of its own beast, but we have this one called ACEs. Okay. And so ACEs are basically three steps that you try to do to take yourself out of a low state. Mm -hmm. Um, And A is for achievement. So you want to do anything that you can have a little win on, like we were talking about earlier, any sort of achievement that you can feel like, I completed this, I did this. That is like a really good thing you can do. And could it be like as simple as like baking banana bread from scratch? Like, could it be anything? Yeah. Okay. I think any, yeah, anything. Anything that's really going to just make you feel like a win. Yeah. Um, C is closeness, you know, Obviously, it's hard right now because we're not (laughs) around people very often, but um, anything that can make you feel close to another person. And, you know, the therapist teaches this better. I I think I could do a better explanation than this. But, um, you know, (laughs) anything that makes you feel closer or connected is huge, and there's a lot of research to back that up. Mm -hmm. And then E is enjoyment. So Mm -hmm. anything that you can do to feel just some sort of joy or um, lit up. Um, And when you can just do those three things and just really focus on doing them, then it's usually helpful for climbing out of a lower state. Yeah. Beautiful. That's great. Huh. I think that's really helpful. And something, it's something that's so, it, when you say it, it sounds so simple, but when you're in the depths of depression, it can feel like quite a hard thing to know what to do. You, like, just, don't, yeah. you just don't know what to do. To identify um, your yeah. next step or what. What do I do? Yeah. Um, okay. So you've, I, so far as your story goes, so when you've discovered these tools, right, mm. and you've decided at this point, once you've healed yourself or started to heal yourself, had you already decided, okay, wait, I want to do something bigger. I want to start a business around this. I want to create a solution for other people around this. Like, how did it turn from self-healing to a business? So this is kind of embarrassing, but it's, I think really important for this, which is, Mm -hmm. so my mom is a health coach and I've called my mom all the time, you know, since I moved out of the house, I I talked to her all the time and she helps me work through stuff when I'm struggling, just like a lot of kids with their mom. But, um, my mom is, is different in that she teaches techniques like centered techniques to clients to groups of clients she has all sorts of like tricks right and so but she would tell me something and I would forget it yeah and so um when I was experimenting with different ideas I actually had gone to my parents house for a while during COVID and we decided to just record some of my mom's greatest hits so that I would have them yeah and that I could give them to other people yeah and that was cool and it resonated really strongly with some of my friends and so I felt like you know I need my mom's greatest hits because sometimes like 
now I live in a different time zone. Like I can't always be yeah. my mom. <laughs> I mean, can I have your mom's greatest hits? Like I can. <laughs> yes, I know. And people actually love seeing my mom on Centered because they're like, it's your mom. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all need my mom's greatest hits. And what was so cool about video was we could tap into all these different practitioners' greatest hits. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff that you would never work with a practitioner who maybe like we have practitioners are in different parts of the world they're like in London and focused on like sensitive souls and you you get to like tap into that and try their greatest hits where yeah. you never would have discovered them otherwise and so I love the idea of having everyone's greatest hits like I mm. think it's really just like good for the world yeah definitely. yeah absolutely so the centered app is an app that provides these tools from different therapists all over the world, correct? Exactly. Yes. We record, we have a pretty specific uh, format that we record, mm-hmm. and it's like everything is under 10 minutes. Yep. And we cover the most important topics that our users are requesting, so which are anxiety, burnout, depression, work stress, mm-hmm. and focus and motivation, and then also overwhelmed, which is like sort of anxiety. And who are your main users for this? It kind of sounds like um, millennial mental health. Totally. Um, It's definitely millennial, although we've heard some kind of like mature female Gen Z who Mm -hmm. like like that a lot of the practitioners are older than them. They like that it's in like their 30s and 40s because they find them wise. But yeah, it's mostly um, it's mostly millennials. It definitely is more female, but then we have more guys than I expect who are just, um, they like that it's short. Yeah. You know, they yeah. like that it's uh, under 10 minutes and that they can just dive in and get help. Whereas like going to a therapist might be daunting or overwhelming. Yeah. We yeah. found, um, we interviewed a therapist a while ago who had talked about building her own practice, her own digital practice. But she talked about um, how men typically seek mental health help less frequently than women. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be true in your app or what do you find? Yeah, I think there is something like women are definitely more proactive. However, there's definitely this group of men that I happen to just be like in the orbit of, which is the tech industry man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tech industry man like likes trying stuff out. More, yeah, I think right. Then. They right. like like biohacking and like tracking their own blood sugar and, you know, mm-hmm. tracking their sleep and like all these things. And so I think some of those men are like more curious, but yeah. mm-hmm. overall it's definitely more female. We're taking yeah. better care of ourselves in general as well. And, and there's less, it's it's a subject that we're talking about more and more, which is um, I think really helping men because before that it was quite a taboo thing and it was seen as not masculine to open up about right. feeling um, you know, like down about something or having anxiety. So right. I think it's really important that we that we put these things at the forefront and have all these um, encouraging conversations that you can go and get help. Yeah, absolutely. Like, guys, totally. you're allowed to have your heart broken too. You're allowed mm. to be depressed too. Like, yeah. it's okay. Like, you can't, this shouldn't be seen as like a female thing to, yeah. to be in touch with your emotions. Emotions like, aren't gendered. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, Lexi, I'm from like the kind of tech point of view I want to know how you went from an idea and some videos to a app (laughs) and platform what did it take did you get investment like tell me about that Jenny yes yeah totally so I well so 
Something that's probably unintuitive to people who maybe haven't tried to start a company is that a lot of this stuff in the early days is just experiments, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you want to run an experiment as quickly and cheaply, cheaply not being like pay people poorly or anything, but cheaply being like, what's the minimum way I can get something in front of someone and see their reaction? Yeah, like lean startup methodology. Exactly. Right, right. Because otherwise you might go not do that, spend a bunch of money, building this custom thing and people don't want it, right? So right. that's the number one killer of every startup is like if people don't want what you're building. And so I just tested and tested and tested and tested and tested. And I put all these things in front of people and so many of them, they were like, meh. And this one didn't, right? Hmm. This one was, um, we did, you know, we did some research too saying, what are people? What are things people want for their mental health? And they said stuff that could fit into their routine mm-hmm. that was not too long. Um, they said you know high quality, like easy access on their phone. And then I tested stuff around that. I tested written stuff in an app. I tested you know workbook style things, like all sorts of different things. And then the video stuff just worked the best of anything I'd hit. Right? People mm. were like, I get it. They yep. learned and we could explain what a tool was and like make it really clear what you were learning in the video. And yeah. that was helpful to people. And so then I built just, I, I really built very like, we used a no code platform. So built it. I, I had like my cousin helping. <laughs> I had my sister's ex-boyfriend helping. Like we were a very like scrappy lean team and we used a lot of pre-existing tools, which yeah. I really recommend to any founder who's starting out is like don't build the whole thing from scratch yeah, see what's yeah, out there yeah i yeah. used a tool called bubble which is a big site builder i'm probably switching off of it now because i like you know hit problems i didn't expect around like speed and you know building mobile app and stuff and so i'm going to probably use a different off-the-shelf tool but you don't have to build out your entire website on your own there's a lot of like pre-existing and that software goes, and tools yeah. Yeah. yeah that goes back to what you're saying about creating something that's like a low fidelity test like if you're using these tools like like bubble then you can really quickly put something together and see how people respond to it rather than going down the whole custom like get a web developer route that's really smart totally yeah Mm. cool so you did that you did tons of market research tons of testing you used your tools and then what happened so then i launched it okay well no then i had to get content right so i had my mom's videos and i was like i know people want short stuff how no, much did you pay your mom? People. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's an advisor. Um, <laughs> yeah. But nice. um, but I was like, can I get anybody else to do this? And how do I find them? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I set out to I wanted a really like, you know, diverse, different group of um, practitioners from the start. So I wanted people, you know, across all races, but also from different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I had known from my own experience that there's like a lot of eclectic therapeutic practices that aren't just like your general therapy, right? Yeah. So found somatic therapists who like love getting into their, you know, the body and using the body as a tool um, to access your feelings, right? Um, found people who like taught art therapy, anger management um who had deep focuses in areas like narcissistic abuse recovery or like the thing i mentioned before super sensitive people and just like wanted to build out this like unique eclectic library 
and just see if we got enough content to start putting in front of people to see if they liked it consistently. And so I just recruited people nonstop. Um, I used a lot of LinkedIn. That's like how I got connected to you guys. So um, I just like message people all the time on LinkedIn and LinkedIn is great for coming up with a really concise test. Yeah. So I use the note field, which is like a couple hundred characters. That's all you get. And you write a message to a stranger basically for free. And you have to come up with something compelling to say to them. Otherwise, they're not going to respond to you. Right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I tested, you know, even before this current version of the center, I tested all sorts of different things. Nobody responded or very few people responded. And then I told them this tools idea. And I said, you know, we're building the world's biggest site for tools thought you could be a really interesting potential creator with us. I'd love to hear about the tools you already teach and see if this is a good fit. Something more concise than that. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of people. (laughs) And um, that was like another sign to move forward with this because I was like, okay, like practitioners actually dig this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's still to this day is that like, therapists they know that they their customers are or you know their patients are under supported they know there's a ton of people who aren't in therapy they're trying to give people support all day yeah Yeah. the fact that they can have this like self-serve support product is like really exciting to them so Mm. got a lot of different really amazing people who are so still supportive and fun to work with had to stay love working with them and um yeah we got our first kind of round of content we made some videos that weren't high quality enough and then we figure out how to make the quality better. Yeah. And now we can really consistently like kind of onboard someone and ship high quality content that fits what people are looking for, which is like really cool. Yeah. I don't think people realize like how much work content production is, you know, (laughs) like it's just so, I mean, I've been doing content for so many years and every single time you have a new brand, a new company, a new message, a new blah, blah, blah. It's like this trial and error thing, a new team, a new set of people to work with. Um, And you've created an app that's basically based on quality content production and dissemination. Mm. So I I can just imagine what that took to get those videos perfect and the format and everything else. How many practitioners do you have now? So we've kind of, you know, it's gone up and down. Some people try it and don't like it and they don't want to keep doing it, which is okay because um, it's embarrassing being on camera if you're not really comfortable with yourself. Like, you know, Mm. and a lot of therapists, they're not content creators, right? They're not like online all the time making videos. And I did find a correlation between there are a lot of like Instagram therapists and coaches where they like do stories a lot. They, you know, post videos online anyways and those people felt more comfortable doing it so now we have around 30 that we work with like more intensely I can like turn the spigot back on anytime to get more content but we decided to go deeper with the ones we currently have to just like really cover a lot of different topics because they're already good content creators so you kind of found product market fit and then therapist market fit as well for for actual yeah well i don't know if i found product market fit yet in terms of (laughs) the consumer side that's gonna keep gotta keep going on that but the practitioner side yeah they love it um they love this idea and they really want to take this so what has your user acquisition strategy been so far and what are you hoping to um to scale this with yeah so you know I've run a lot of different experiments I wouldn't say that I like have one channel nailed down and this is where it gets really tricky as a founder right so Mm. 
growth, product, growth, product. So mm-hmm. growth, getting more people in the top of the funnel. And then product is making sure that they stay, that they find what they need, that they mm-hmm. are engaged and sticky, right? And so growth, I like, I can talk about tons of things I can do for growth, test, t- stuff we tested that works. But right. right now I'm like more focused on stickiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like making sure that people come back to tools when they need them and use them regularly because it's hard when you're a person who's anxious or depressed or overwhelmed, you don't always reach for stuff. Yeah. And so that's like now what I'm figuring out is like how to build the habit with people and like what does it take from like a notification standpoint and like an email standpoint and like an engagement standpoint to like get yeah. those. So I've actually stopped working on growth until I work on like figure out that and like nail that down and then I'll turn it back on. But I, I'm, a, I'm a growth person at heart, so I have so many things that I've done that are, like, totally quirky and, like, fun to share. Yeah. Um, one of them is, uh, just to share one to answer your question, um, we started an ambassador program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and basically we give them a free membership to, um, like, just share their experiences using tools every yeah. month. Mm-hmm. And we talked to tons of different Instagram accounts of tons of different sizes. And like, you know, we found like people with like 40,000 followers were trying to charge us like 40K a year. And we were like, <laughs> whoa, yeah, like, no. no. <laughs> um, but like three to 8,000 followers was this like sweet really spot. interesting sweet spots with us. Yeah. Not and, and they liked it. <laughs> yes. yes. Now, what you're talking yeah. about right now is brand marketing, which is something a lot of tech companies do not do well. elaborate more on that I'm curious (laughs) so when you said growth product growth product I think that's yes it's the way a lot of tech companies look at it like Mm. um, traditional Mm. tech companies so I will get people to join and then we will you know um, improve our products so that they want to stay but what you're doing without actually knowing that you're doing it is you're working on your (laughs) brand Mm. and your brand Mm. value so at our company um, you know, and voice to go. And that's, you know, who sponsors this podcast and all of that stuff. We actually have a brand marketing team, which is mm. unique to a lot of, of, comp- of tech companies because they'll think, oh, you know, I'll just um, grow my audience and then I'll just improve the product. But really, just like any other um, product offering, just like Nike, you need to improve the value of your brand in your consumer's mind. So that's actually Ooh. what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You may not be calling it that, but you're doing it. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> so you've, you're working with these influencers. What else are you doing on a um, marketing side, go-to-market side? Yeah. Um, something else I'm looking into is just different channels where my customer actually is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got really excited about Pinterest last week. Yes. Um, I actually downloaded. Do you guys use Pinterest? Oh, yes, for, yeah. of course. You yeah. do. Oh, interesting. We can talk about that after whenever you want to. But um, I actually went on Pinterest because I got really burned out on Instagram earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love pictures. I love looking at stuff. But I'm like, just the social stuff is just kind of like burning me out right now. And so I switched and I still check Instagram and stuff. I'm not like totally off of it, but um, I was like, oh, there's a lot of mental health stuff on here Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of like self-care and wellness and people like actively looking for answers. Whereas Instagram was kind of more, you know, whatever's in your feed, whatever reaches you. And so Mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited about this. Like I want to build out a distribution thing. On Pinterest and see how far I can take it. I yeah. would say that's really smart. 
Pinterest is <laughs> such a good like discovery visual search tool as well. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, like you're saying, it's self-curated, right? So um, every social media site has algorithms that work a little differently and have a different strategy. But basically, with Pinterest, you will see more of the types of materials that you've created your own boards Mm -hmm. um, based on. So Mm. if you are creating boards around like anxiety tips and tricks, for instance, you'll be fed a bunch more which is really great um, for a product like yours because, and here we're back in, we're in Natalie's marketing hour, so I will get off of this. <laughs> no, I, this is helpful for me, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but having a little taste of each of the product offerings or the tool offerings would be really great for you because it will disseminate really quickly for people mm-hmm. who are looking to, for that kind of thing. So um, anyway, so you you are you've got this product launch. You are you know you're continually improving your content and getting more and more practitioners. Um, and we have a partnership that we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, I want to know what's next for both Lexi and Centered. Mm, yeah, are you fundraising or planning to? So I have this like total female imposter syndrome thing which people tell me this all the time so here's how it like manifests and I need to figure out what to do about this so I go I'll fundraise when I have a product that's working and I can put capital on it to increase what's working um which is not how a lot of men think about it or how venture capitalists think about it they go like team idea like invest in it Whatever. But then there's this, like, really frustrating thing when you talk to investors, and I'm sure tons of people talk about this on tons of different podcasts, but they say, oh, you're too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet other people get fundraising very early. Right? Yeah. And so now I don't ask. People still come to me. They talk to me and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of, like, something I have to figure out is like when do I feel like it's worth my time to go put myself out there and talk to all these people and say like I'm not too early like I know what this is now and I'm not gonna like you know waste my time and like break my own heart by it all just being too early and so mm-hmm. I just like to put my head down and keep testing stuff right because yeah. just because launch doesn't mean I'm not still running experiments and you know seeing what customers care about and talking to customers and talking to the ones who it's really helping for sort of helping and figuring out who they are and just, you know, just going deeper with the business. And so yeah. that's really what's next for me, right? It's just continually like peeling off the layers and finding customers that really care and then doubling down on reaching those. Yeah, and kind I think, of like bootstrapping it. Yeah, you are yeah. so mm-hmm. smart for building the best product out there and, and always questioning yourself. But I will tell you one thing that I've heard yeah, a lot on right. this podcast and has become mm. evidently clear. Men go after the jobs, the funding, the um, promotions, et cetera, that they know they can get or know they, the things that they know they can do. Mm. Women mm. go after the things that they've already proven that they can do. So I would just want to give you that to encourage you because your product is incredible um, I think there would be a lot of Thanks. people who are interested in it and mm. do not be scared just because it isn't perfect, quote unquote. Yet. Yeah, I think there's also yeah. something here that's um, 
a good lesson is that there's a difference between angel funding and venture capital. Mm. And the advice I got with Insize, which is a platform that I have got a completely different field in plus size fashion, but I was ready nice. at, the, at the size it was at the time for angel investment, but not for venture capital and still not ready mm. for venture capital. But there's if you can get that angel funding then or from like a friends and family round, then that's a good way to give you a bit more of a boost to, to do the experiments and show the growth and show and like prove the platform and then venture capital can come later down the line when you've got more to show for yourself and then you're also giving less equity away which is another really important thing to consider as a founder. Sylvie's also one of those women who refuse to be told no. (laughs) like if it's a no it's a "Mm, okay well what about this (laughs) maybe later yeah (laughs) it's just a step on the way to yes (laughs) yeah that's such a good framing and you know the irony is that i told you guys i worked at angelist which is the biggest platform in the world for angel investors and so you know it's so silly i know so many um and yeah it's just uh, when i and, you know, so what's really next for me is just like, actually, I'm going to do like a confidence deep dive and I'm going to go short in and like figure out what it takes for me to feel really confident about moving forward and to be like a confident beacon to other people. And then I'll do it. Yeah. That would so, be a really cool confidence. section, though, Product in the yeah. app. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Can we have some tools on it's, confidence? I know. It's it's like I'm always accidentally using my product. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so let's well, talk about our partnership. Yes, yes. Yeah, can yes. we? Okay. So for everybody listening here, the week that this is coming out, end of February, we also have our first course partnership coming out with the professionals from the Centered app. So... We have several learning units in the freelance forum, and you can join this group on Facebook, and it will also be publicized on the Invoice to Go LinkedIn, and it will also be available on our Invoice to Go website, Um, but this is a partnership with Centered, whereby they're providing for us tools and resources for small business owners and entrepreneurs to deal with different um, challenges that might they might come across during the journey to launching, growing, and amplifying their businesses. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lexi, do you want to talk to us about what it is? Would love to. Okay, so we are doing our first topic on how to make it through losing your job. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, apparently a big request. And, you know, it's a little bit general. It's not like you lost your job, here's take five steps. But job loss or the types of setbacks like job loss that just are really about how do I turn on the tide. Mm-hmm. And so we have five different um, coaches and therapists, and they all did these like really kind of killer different exercises on how to make it through. And we go through in order. So there's an exercise from that DVT uh, methodology that I mentioned. It's called radical acceptance or reality acceptance. And mm-hmm. that's like a core one for from that program. Um, we have some CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy around decatastrophizing and basically... I think that word explains itself, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) Reducing catastrophic thinking. Um, We have some breath work in there around visualizing moving forward. Um, And there's just, you know, there are a few more too, but so many good ones. You guys are going to love it. 
And this is really great because we have a ton of people in our communities, groups, and subscribers who lost their job or were made redundant Mm -hmm. um, as a result of the pandemic and now want to start freelancing and they want to look forward or maybe build their own businesses or change their lives. And you have to get through what you're going through before you can get to the next step. So we're really excited about this one. Again, it is coming out the week. If you're listening to this, go and find it. (laughs) It will be in the freelance forum group on Facebook and then um, also, again, on the Invoice to Go website, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We're really excited. So thank you so much for that, Lexi. It has been so great partnering with you. And I'm going to um, actually let the rest of the courses that we're coming out with throughout the year be a surprise. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we will announce them as they come out. Great. Well, amazing. I have enjoyed getting to know you throughout this process because obviously Mm. this isn't the first time that we've spoken as we've been building this partnership. But um, I've super enjoyed hearing your whole story today. It has been so inspiring and you are just an incredible human. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was so fun. The dynamic of this is really good. I like your interview style and your guys are just so great to work with too. Oh, thank you. you. (laughs) Okay. So if people want to download the Centered app and try it out or learn more about it, where can they find you? Yep. Yeah. So if you go to usecentered.com, we're really just on web and text message right now, but an app will be coming. So U-S-E, like use a drill, (laughs) centered.com. And you can sign up and get a weekly text message from us. So we'll send you one tool every week. And that's like a really nice, easy way to do it. And then you'll also get emails, you know, telling you about new ones or new categories, stuff like that. So I would definitely do that and start there. All right. Well, so good to see you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%. Listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.